Once again, we have our Virginia candidate election series where we're talking with candidates that are running for your vote in the Virginia General Assembly. This year, all 140 seats are up for election. And today we have with us candidate and former delegate Alex Askew telling us why you should vote for him for candidate for District 95. It's Stay the Water. I'm your host, Dr. Eric Laville. We'll be right back in just a moment. Welcome back. It's Stay the Water. I'm your host, Dr. Eric Laville. We're so glad that you're joining us here on air as we broadcast from none other than the Norfolk State University, home of the Spartan Nation from WSB Hot 91, the soul of VA. Listen, I hope that you're staying dry. I hope that you are are hunkered down, and I hope that everything went well during this time that we had a tropical storm here in the Hampton Roads area, and the the storm that affected all of the uh, localities up and down the coast. We pray that uh, everything went well and that there's any loss, any loss of property or uh, anything else, that you will regain it back. So, again, our prayers are there for everyone out there that are that's impacted, and we look forward to moving uh, forward out of this particular storm. Again, we'd like to thank all of our listeners for your support that you uh, have given us over the years and continue to give us as you tune in to this very important show where we bring movers, shakers, and policymakers to you to discuss issues important to the community. Those of you that listen to the show, you know that I love this time of the year because it's election season. You know, politics is in my blood and you guys love it because you're tuning in, you're listening to it. But it also dictates every aspect of our lives. And during this time of the year, I like to have what I call a candidate uh, series. And this is where we bring candidates on air to you to talk with you about issues that are important to you and to the community. And this is important because you have an opportunity to hear straight from them so that you can make a more well-informed decision. So joining us this morning, I have with us a very good friend and someone who's making major strides here in the Hampton Roads area and his name in politics, none other than former House Delegate Alex Askew. Alex, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing well, Eric. How about yourself? (laughs) No complaints. Listen, just trying to stay dry like everybody else. But again, we thank you for taking time out to join us and to speak to our listeners. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, as you stated, I hope everybody got through the weekend okay and everything was uh, safe and everybody's probably okay. And everybody, if it's not, everybody continues to be in our thoughts and our prayers. So absolutely. Thanks for having me again. Absolutely. So listen, I want to get right to it. Tell us about this, the district that you're running in and and why you're running uh, for the House of Delegates. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Well, the district makes up about 90 percent of Virginia Beach with a little bit of Norfolk. So uh, has the Janet Military Circle area goes uh, north to near Ebenezer, uh, goes um, east to Independence, everything sort of west of Independence and down south to near Tallwood High School. You know, it's a pretty expensive district. I was born and raised uh, in the district and, you know, I'm running and I've said it before in uh, my previous uh, elections and I'm going to say it again, you know, to give back to community. Uh, they've given so much to me. You know, I went to elementary school in the district, went to middle school, and I graduated from Taller High School and then attended Hampton University. And, you know, I came back in uh, permanently about 2017 to uh, continue my uh, work in, in progress and in progress in, in the policy space and the political space. And uh, I'm so happy to be running again uh, here to represent 
uh, my hometown in Richmond. You know, to the listeners, uh, he did say graduate from Hampton, but you know, again, it's nothing but love <laughs> with the Spartan Nation. <laughs> yes, you all got the you all got the best of us a couple of weeks ago on the football field, so uh, you know, I can't really say too much. <laughs> Absolutely. When you say that you're wanting to give back because the community gave so much to you, that sounds very refreshing, especially for what we're experiencing now in Congress with pretty much a deadlock with with uh, with one party, you know, blocking legislation from passing a spending bill. When you talk about the community gave you back so much, what what about the community really uh, poured into the making of who Alex asked you yesterday? Absolutely. Um, when you when I think about my community, I think about my teachers. You know, I think about uh, my mother, uh, my coaches. I was a decent athlete, <laughs> but not great. Uh, but I just think about the folks that just poured so much into me, right? My uh, orchestra teachers, my chess club teachers, you know, just uh, everybody and every adult that just had a, a effect, you know, on my life and sort of uh, made me who I am, you know, and I want to continue to do that for uh, our younger folk or even uh, folks my age for, you know, that matter, because I wouldn't be here without, you know, many of them. And uh, when I talk about, you know, running, I, you know, worked on a bunch of campaigns, similar to you. I know you have a lot of uh, political experience, right? And, you know, when I first was asked to run or a seat opened up, you know, uh, the former uh, delegate that had the seat and some other folks like, Alex, uh, you're going to run for the seat. I was like, uh, no, I'm not. You know, I like being in the <laughs> right. background. I like, you know, getting things done that way and having somebody else uh, be the face. But, you know, after I talked to my pastor and my family and some other folks, they, you know, they said, hey, you know, you'd be great because you had that experience. You're the, you could be the bridge to the, the policy and the process to your community um, and the folks that you that you know and, you know, they trust and respect you. So, you know, it's it's just I wouldn't be here without my community, right? And I wouldn't be here without Hammer Rhodes. Now, you mentioned orchestra. What instrument did you play? Played the violin. Really? I wasn't great at that either. <laughs> but I did play from uh, middle school into high school. Okay, okay. Well, look, same here. I played I play violin in middle school, high school, and uh, I was first chair, first violin for a couple of years, by the way. But <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah. You're a lot better than me. I, was, uh, I wasn't in the front, but in the second violin section. So There you go. Look, you need the second violin because they give they give the beat, you know, the tip on the back. So it's all good. <laughs> you know, you, Alex, you mentioned the teachers. You know, when I asked you what's that, what get, what part of the community gave you back so much? You said teachers. What is it about education? You know, well, first of all, we know that teachers are really, really uh, been tasked with a lot, especially the last these last four or five years, whether it be from from national side to during COVID where you had now this attack on education, attack on teachers, these massive protests <laughs> on school board meetings. And I, I, it was interesting because you and I both know school board meetings, that's probably the least attended you know, public meetings out there. But right. it was standing room only you know, in those meetings. And it wasn't for the upbuilding schools, but really of, of attacking a lot of the policies that are there. And, of course, the attack on history and African-American history and the like. What is your plan for teachers and moving forward to help them to really do what they love to do and make Because, again, teaching is one of the greatest professions that we have, Mm -hmm. because without our teachers, you, me, none of us would be where we are. You're absolutely right with that, Eric. And my mother was an educator, my sister, uh, more than a few of my aunts, uh, my cousins. I have a family uh, full of educators. My grandfather uh, taught in the school system in North Carolina and uh, I think uh, first and foremost, you know, we need to pay our teachers more, right? They are truly undervalued, right? They're the 
the basis of, uh, you know, our community. Uh, to your point, we I wouldn't be here without uh, educators. Uh, but it, it's it's really becoming increasingly unfortunate that the school board meetings and the school board in general are uh, the front line of the uh, Republicans' culture war. Right? We need to uh, depoliticize, you know, uh, our, our school board and our education and really focus on, you know, our children. You know, we. Uh, went through this pandemic, right? And there's, I think there, this is one thing we both can agree on, both Republicans and Democrats, uh, there was money loss. Uh, but how do we fix that, right? We might have different ideas, right, where the Republicans are looking to uh, defund public schools, right? Uh, I think the Democrats and myself, we're looking to uh, really increase, uh, like I said, teacher pay and, and fully fund our public school system. Um, you know, you can look uh, at the disparity, uh, you know, across our different school systems, you know, in our region, right? You look at Virginia Beach or Chesapeake, and you look at school systems, uh, you know, across other places. They're not as funded, right? and I think we need to look at, you know, how we fund our schools and, and look to uh, the process how we we rebuild our schools because it, it's tough to learn when there's no AC or there's no heat and mm-hmm. tiles are falling down on our kids or they can't get to their schools because there's there's flooding out front and there's just uh, old infrastructure. So, um, you know, it's it, there's no magic wand. You know, and I know it's going to go have to go through the process of appropriations. Uh, but, you know, when we get back to the General Assembly and when the Democrats take back the majority, I know uh, one of our main focuses is to uh, make sure we appropriate funds to our public school systems and, you know, continue to uh, increase teacher pay to bring us up to uh, at least, right, minimum national average. But, you know, I want to focus on bringing it above the national average because in Virginia we have a great public school system in, in the Commonwealth, but we didn't make sure we pay our teachers adequately. Absolutely. It's Stay the Water. I'm your host, Dr. Eric Claville, and you're joining us for our 2023 election series where we talk with candidates and we bring them to you to talk about issues important to you. Today we have with us a good friend of mine and one of the rising stars here in Hampton Roads and in Virginia, Alex Askew. Alex, I I introduced you earlier as former delegate. I want you to talk a little bit about to of this, of your time in the House, uh, your first time, when what you learned during that experience and what what gal- galvanized you to running in and pretty much what will you take with you this time to do it better? Absolutely. I think uh, first and foremost, I decided to run it in because the job's not done. All right. I think one of the biggest things we had, we had the uh, majority right, in both the House you know, the Senate, and we had the governor's pen, right, to sign these bills. So right, it was a great time, right? I, I talked to some of my former colleagues now, and, you know, they tell me all the time it was so much better serving, you know, in, in the majority, right? And before that, there was over 20 years where we didn't have the majority, right? So it was a, it was a great time. Uh, you know, it is unfortunate that we lost it. Uh, I think we were a total maybe 1,000 votes, maybe, maybe close to 2,000 votes away from taking it back. Uh, my race in particular in the, the old seat, uh, I lost my race in a recount by 115 votes out of around 30,000 votes, right? So, and I say this all the time, and I go around and uh, I, I tell them, I'm like, don't tell me every vote doesn't count because it truly does. And I think some of those races this year uh, are going to be similarly close, right? Mm. Mine's not as much because I'm fortunate enough not to have an opponent uh, because uh, the Republicans didn't have anybody to uh, or didn't put anybody uh, against me in the race. Uh, but I do tell folks that I do have an opponent, and that's apathy, right? We need to make sure that folks uh, get out and vote, make sure their voice is heard, uh, and make sure they, they cast their ballot for um, hopefully Democrats. But, you know, sometimes I'm just happy that people vote, right, yeah. and they don't sit out on the sideline. Absolutely. 
I want to segue to, you mentioned something about voting, the importance of voting. Now, early voting has started here in the Commonwealth of Virginia. And you mentioned serving in a majority. During that time period that you were in the House, uh, the Democrats had a majority, and they passed what I've called on this show and, and other platforms, good common sense legislation public policy. When, it would, when you, the Democrats extended an open access to the ballot box for all Virginians, no matter what persuasion, both political, ethnicity, or whatever the case may be, or even age, you could vote now 45 days before the election. Uh, you can also vote on Election Day and on Saturday, the two Saturdays leading up to the election and, yes. you know, and mail-in ballots. You know, to me, it just it just made sense that this was the way to go. Tell us a little bit about uh, your uh, your your view on early voting and, and what you did just last week as it relates to early voting. It's absolutely. So I voted on the first day of early voting to make sure my my voice is heard. Um, prior to the Democrats having the majority of the tri- as we call the trifecta, Virginia was one of the hardest states to vote in. You know, with the Democratic majority, we made it the one of the easiest of top 50 states to, or top 25 states, excuse me, uh, to vote in. Right. And, you know, if you look at the past elections, the early voting numbers really took uh, Democrats over the top. It's interesting we see uh, our governor currently, you know, really in some of the Republicans pushing, you know, the early voting because they saw you know, what effect it had and how it affected some of the, the races and the, can- the results of the campaign, right? So I really push everyone to, uh, you know, go to the ballot box, vote early, right? Election day is great. I know a lot of folks have been voting on election day a long time, uh, but, you know, just make sure your voice is heard if you have the time to go, you know, whether it's the uh, uh, City Hall in, in Norfolk or the Registrar down Building 14 in Virginia Beach, go make sure your voice is heard. Uh, any of the, the Saturdays that you mentioned, if you need more information, uh, go to IWillVote.com or uh, visit, visit your local um, registrar's website to get the information and uh, the times and the dates where they're open. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it, it just still remains interesting to me that, uh, you know, <laughs> some folks that are running just in Norfolk, right, are talking about how they want to take, it, take us back, right, take us back to uh, just one day, of, one day of voting and remove all the dates of early voting. So, you know, it's it's when when folks want to start taking stuff back, that means it's it's too good. So uh, make sure we take advantage of this opportunity uh, while we have it, and when we uh, retake the majority, we're going to continue to expand access to the ballot box because it shouldn't be hard to vote; it should be easy. Now you said when you retake the majority, you know that's that that's confidence, and you should have confidence. Um, what what do you believe the Democrats have that the other party doesn't have? that will serve the Commonwealth of Virginia better? You know, I think common sense messaging, right? Common sense ideas, right? Things that affect everyday people, right? We want to, for example, uh, we want to uh, make sure that uh, prescription drug costs are affordable, right? So folks don't have to make the decision between putting uh, food on the table or uh, buying prescription drugs, right? And we want to make sure that folks uh, can afford uh, just their everyday needs, right? I think right now we look at uh, inflation and um, different things, and, and folks are working 40 hours a week and unfortunately can't provide for their families, right? So I think we need to look at increase, continue to increase the minimum wage. We increased it when we had the majority, and, of course, it, it took a pause, and that conversation got put on the back burner uh, the past couple of years. But when we get back, we need to look at uh, how do we increase the minimum wage faster so folks, you know, just can afford everyday things for to put uh, gas in their car, uh, can afford to buy uh, school supplies, school 
school clothes for their kids. Mm. Right, so I think those are just one of the, the many things that, you know, we need to focus on. We take back the majority. And I, and I can't, this can't go without saying either, because I think this is uh, one of the top issues, you know, this year. It's uh, uh, a woman's right to choose, right? Uh, I think Democrats uh, believe that a choice should be between a, a woman or an individual that's having a child uh, and their health care provider, right? I don't think that uh, a politician uh, wearing a suit pressing a button should make those decisions. It should be between, you know, those individuals that are actually, you know, in the room in the clinic and going through, um, you know, the, the issues and the different things uh, they're going through. So I think those are you know, some of the common sense things that uh, the Democrats are fighting for. And, you know, I don't think it's just a, it's, it's hyper-partisan issue. I think it's their, their everyday things that uh, affect individuals. You know, Alex, it's been said that all politics is local. And it, that reigns no that that reigns so true as it relates to an individual running in the House of Delegates uh, when you're looking at state government because it's where you live is your district. Um, what is it? A, what are some of the issues in your district that your voters are are facing and that you plan to do about it, especially African American voters? Absolutely, absolutely. I, I think um, you know gun violence. Right, mm. we it's it's a regional issue. Uh, and I think it affects all of us, whether it's in the 95th, 96th, 97th, you know, 100th, the 1st District. I think it's just an issue that affects all of us. Uh, when we were in the uh, minority previously, we expanded background checks, you know, did a lot of other things. Uh, in the past couple of years, we tried to do some, some storage things, and uh, we passed the uh, red flag laws in order for uh, guns to be removed from uh, or individuals provided the opportunity to have their guns uh, removed from them uh, when they're going through a mental health crisis, right? So I just think it's a common thing, common sense gun issues in order to, you know, move away from, you know, these these tragedies that we have in our, not only our schools, but every day in our communities, right? It's just this census acts, you know, a gun violence. Uh, But if you come to uh, maybe a more local issue, right, I think it's it's transit or transportation or, or traffic, Right. I think we need to continue to invest in our in our infrastructure uh, here in Hampton Roads. Uh, we uh, previously got you know, millions of dollars for Hampton Roads Transit. Right. So folks that might not be able to afford a car right, can get on the bus and don't have to take, you know, 45 um, minutes or really longer than that, you know, a, more than a couple of hours to get from town center uh, to downtown Norfolk for jobs, you know, in their careers. So, you know, there are a lot of uh, localized and a lot of things that folks, you know, talk about as you knock on the doors that they really want assistance and help with, including uh, a few of the issues I answered in the last, you know, the last question. You know, folks just want uh, more money uh, and are, are willing to, you know, they're, they're willing to make these sacrifices, but we need to make it easier for them to really uh, afford everyday necessities. Mm. You know, when you talk about afford everyday necessities, um, the prices are going up um, and, the government here in the Commonwealth of Virginia, we have, we have a surplus of, of dollars. Um, what is it that you believe? Now, of course, the governor's office believes that they have a plan, that they a better use of the money. But what do you believe should be done with the surplus of funds that we have, given the disrepair that we have in our schools, given the issues that we have in our community? Um, how do you think that money should be better utilized? Absolutely, and I appreciate that question. I think uh, one is to give more money uh, to our uh, public HBCUs. Thought you might like that one. Absolutely. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> well, well, listen, it's because hey, we've been underfunded. You know, it's exactly. the the record is clear. Numbers don't lie. 
So it is, mm-hmm. it is what it is. And, and we're producing. It. Yeah. And even uh, not only our, our public agencies, but our, our public schools, right? I, I know I mentioned and, and discussed infrastructure last time, but some of our schools are, are falling apart. You know, some of our, some of our schools are uh, close to 100 years old, right, and have not been uh, renovated, right? Some of them still have uh, coal furnaces, right? So I, oh. I, I think uh, coal infrastructure and yeah, infrastructure and, wow. and really focus on rebuilding some of our schools so our children have environments that are conducive to learning. Um, I think those are the two large things. It's, um, you know, if you're on 64, you know, in the summertime, right, I'm glad we are, you know, re- rebuilding uh, and increasing the capacity of HRBT or the HRBT. Uh, but, you know, I think we need to look at expanding 64, you know, the three lanes all the way up to Richmond. So the infrastructure projects, you know, just uh, – Flooding, right? I can't, I can't leave this conversation without talking about, you know, flooding. I think we're, um, unfortunately, saw, you know, some some few instances of flooding in, in some of our cities this past uh, weekend. But we also know that it, it floods sometimes on a on a sunny day in a high tide, right? So I think, you know, looking to uh, work with the federal government and local and localities to look at uh, how we mitigate flooding, whether it's a, a, you know, coastal resiliency and building some wetlands and repairing wetlands or you know, really building a, a seawall in Norfolk. Mm. So. You know, when you talk about flooding, you know, there's a, a project now that's been approved federally uh, to protect most of Norfolk. But, of course, there are a couple of areas here in Norfolk, more, more specifically, there are area around Norfolk State University and African-American communities that really have been left out of this initial uh, plan. Um what do you believe, and then this, this brings up an issue of equity, and we're talking about state government and, and policy itself. What are some of the issues that you believe from your platform that you will champion for our communities when we talk about equity, not just in criminal justice, not just in policing, but in funding, in community, and in uplifting? Oh, absolutely. And I appreciate that, that question, Eric. Uh, and when we talk about coastal resiliency and, and flooding and situations and issues that come along with that, uh, I think we all know a lot of our, uh, a lot of African-Americans live in some, some flood zones you know, that have a higher propensity to, to flood. Uh, we did pass a bill that, uh, or we did work on a bill when I was in the General Assembly last time to, you know, decrease the, the floods or take a look at how we uh, help people with flood insurance. A lot of times people, you know, will lose their home if they can't, uh, you know, afford flood insurance. But I, I think when it comes to, you know, equity, where right, I think we need to look at uh, and, and maybe workforce, workforce, you know, development, uh, look at programs that we can work with, you know, with the TCC or uh, some of our community colleges or, or, or Norfolk State or some of our uh, more diverse serving institutions in order to, um, you know, provide educational opportunities for students and scholarships and uh, really access to, to grants in order to, um, you know, uh, provide uh, students not only just a, a four or two year education, but, you know, maybe certificates in uh, um, uh, MA programs, medical assistant programs, or, um, you know, we have a, a future, we have just a, a more than a few miles off the coastline, right? Opportunity to have a, a, a whole new industry, right? When it comes to wind turbines. So maybe we can uh, use some of that government money to provide funds in order to uh, push individuals in those type of uh, career opportunities. It's um, I just want to work hard and work with other community members and partners to uh, make sure uh, the next generation, you know, wants to stay here. 
you know, wants yeah. to uh, can work here, you know, can can raise a family here. It's all affordable and comfortable, and uh, has the things that they want in order to uh, live a great life. Absolutely, you know, you you mentioned something at the very end. You know, you talked about jobs, making sure that people have the training and the ability to get the high paying jobs, so they can stay here. The district that you're running to represent, you said it's a district that you grew up in and you still live in. You know, that doesn't happen a lot, you know, these days, just to be very honest with you. Um, of course, I don't live in the neighborhood that I grew up in, in nor even the state. Uh, so what makes you, what is it about your district, the people that you grew up around, that made you want to say, you know what, I was born here, I was educated here across the water, but I want to stay here and make my mark. So I think, you know, Virginia Beach and Hinton Roads at large is just a, a, a special place, right? I see um, this place being the, the future uh, of Virginia, right? Whether it's economics, whether it's, uh, of course, we have great uh, military uh, careers and in industrial military industrial complex that really uh, feeds our economy. But I want to continue to provide opportunities where um, folks can come back, right? Or if they go, students that are, in college here want to stay here right have um, entrepreneurial hubs and build their business you know businesses and uh, just have uh, affordable you know housing and affordable health care where where folks are comfortable right it's uh you know a lot of my my friends are still here and a lot of folks i grew up with and you know it's just uh to me just a very uh, uh special place and you know I, I worked some i worked across the the east coast working on different campaigns and elections and you know i probably could have had some opportunities to, and I lived in DC for a while, Northern Virginia for a while and, and different places, but I was like, Hey, if I can do this here in the beginning to, to make change, why not do it back home? And uh, something that's uh, really close to my heart and to the people that I, I truly know and, and love. So, you know, I'm super happy to be uh, potentially serving back, you know, in my home district and representing the folks that uh, helped raise me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Alex has been great catching up with you and talking with you. And, and again, it's so good to see the things that you're doing in the community, even outside of politics, uh, the, your, what you do is in, in the community uh, with your career and also just being present in the community that gave you back so much. Tell our listeners, if they want to get involved with Alex Askew in your community efforts, in your campaign, or they just want to bend your ear, how can they get involved? So we will be, uh, if you, you can go to alexsu.com, uh, we will be knocking on doors for the next uh, few months, reminding folks uh, to vote. Uh, if you want to get in contact with me, uh, please email con- me, email this, here's the email address. It's uh, contact at alexsu.com. Uh, so feel free to email us at any time. Someone will be more than likely me. I'll be responding. Uh, we, as we move towards a legislative uh, session, Right, we will be taking uh, bill ideas as well, right? And uh, we pride ourselves on in my office, and we did a prior to really listening to community and taking these bills and these issues uh, and these problems that are having our communities and taking them to Richmond to provide uh, fixes and get them passed in the law. So uh, please email us if you want to get involved, um, you know, with the campaign, if you have bill ideas, uh, anything uh, of the sort. So please don't uh, be afraid to reach out. That's alexaskew.com. Make sure you reach out if you want to get involved with the campaign, knocking doors, being a part of the solution. 
they are in Virginia Beach and the Commonwealth of Virginia. That's Alex Askew running for delegate in District 95. Alex, thank you so much for joining us here on State of the Water. For those of you that are tuning in and listening to us, continue to listen every Sunday as we broadcast from the campus of the Norfolk State University on WNSB Hot 91, Solar VA. Until next time, be good, do great, and God bless. Thank you.